It's just letting Angelo. Uh, why do we do what we love? Uh, doing it for profit or recognition. Uh, if I do it for myself, does it have to be successful? Uh, and if it isn't successful, should I be doing it at all? Uh, these are some things I've been on my mind. Uh, and uh, I, I don't have fully formed thoughts. I've said this a million times about this particular thing, but I felt uh, compelled to talk it out. You know, really, what could go wrong? So I'm going to do that and see where I arrive talking this out because it seems important right now. It's floating around in my brain a bit. And I've uh, heard some, some discussions lately that sort of inspired me to think about this further. Uh, and, you know, uh, uh, fair warning, I've been, uh, for myself as well, I've been uh, uh, dipping my toe, you know, testing the waters of uh, extreme conclusions uh, for a while. Uh, for a few months, maybe all year, all year and uh, testing the waters of extreme conclusions. There's another concept album. That's a great... Moody Blues, they always very long titles, I think. Maybe a later Moody Blues album, I've said, at the risk of repeating myself. The band, the band loves a, a, a full title, I'll tell you that. Maybe it's a Speedwagon album. If they, if they stayed together and, and started to get real heady, maybe they would have made something like that. <clears throat> Anywho, uh, I had a college reunion late recently. And that, that thing went so well. It was amazing. So for me to, to come out of it with negativity, it's, it's very like me. And, uh, and unfair to the reunion itself. No, uh, this is absolutely no responsibility of the, the reunion itself, which was an incredible experience. Uh, God, it was so good. Meeting up with these people who, who were there at a pivotal point in my life, the most pivotal, in fact, of, of my entire life. And I can say that with certainty, with, a sh- with surety, 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 assuredness, whatever. Uh, those years were so important to me. And so reun- reuniting with some of those faces in a place that was... Well, it took place at the, uh, the bar on campus. And so, uh, and it was a private event. So it was just like... It was funny. At some point, they're calling the food orders out. And, and this is a, a sound you would be used to if you went to college there and spent any time in that lounge. The name... They will call your name over the speaker, right? And it has a really uh, specific kind of resonance, the speaker in the... You know, they'll call names like Chuck and Joe because uh, I went to college in the 50s. Uh, No, they will call, you know, the names out when the order's ready. Only at the party, because it was a private event, every time that that name rang out, it was the name of somebody I know. So it was awesome. It was an awesome... I don't know, maybe that's only meaningful to me, but it was... the, the, The voice was the same... So it brought me right back, only it was specific to, to friends. Awesome thing. Awesome thing. Amazing. Uh, it don't translate. But there it is. Uh, okay. So the reunion itself, not to blame for my, my current state of negativity, but I was thinking recently about... I came away from that reunion sort of a, a little more uh, uh, 
in the know about what everybody's been up to, right? And I was always afraid of this because, you know, I know myself well enough to know that I don't deal with certain things very well. And one of them being my own personal success measured next to others. So compare and despair. If I'm going to therapy again, I'm going to start with that instead of starting with other stuff that doesn't matter. I'm going to start with compare and despair because it is my, uh, my current neurosis du jour. And I can't seem to shake myself of it. Uh, and I have all kinds of pep talks and nonsense that I'll tell myself, you know. And, and I, the thing is, I know it and I rationalize it, but I don't believe any of it. And I'm talking about real belief. People say they believe all kinds of things they don't believe. You, you can see what people actually believe by what they do and how they talk and how they think. And that's how I know that I actually believe that I'm on a, uh, I'm on uh, like the scales of justice. Uh, what are those things called? It's a scale. I know. They're called scales, but they're old-fashioned. So they're scales, right? It's like a seesaw. And, and you, if, if there's a fat kid, sorry, a heavy-set kid on one side, then you're, and you're not a heavy-set kid, you're probably going up in the air real high. That doesn't have to do with anything. I'm just saying, when people are doing really well, all of a sudden I feel like I'm doing particularly poorly, Right? There is a scale there, and I put myself on that scale voluntarily because I'm a lunatic, and I don't want to do that anymore, and I know I do it. So my point being, you go to a room full of people that you know intimately and then and then uh, semi-intimately, uh, semi-intimately. Uh, this should be some kind of like filter for dating app that uses that semi-intimately. I wish to know you semi-intimately. You know, like a level, you go, never mind. Uh, I put myself on the scale voluntarily. And I don't want to be doing, well, at this point I feel it's involuntary, but I know I do it. And I don't seem to be able to resist the call of putting myself on that scale. So to go to a reunion and to be comparing uh, stories, which is what people do, Artists are silly with this way. We don't get together and we talk about our personal things. We talk about our professional lives, right? So the very first point of, of contact with someone is, hey, how are you doing? What are you doing? How are you making a living? And so when, when the discussions all stem from this particular place, it's hard to get out of that topic. And it's hard to uh, not do comparison. Because honestly, somebody tells you, here's what I'm doing for a job. The expectation is, what are you doing for a job? And then you go back and forth. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, that's interesting. I don't know why we have to talk about that, but apparently it's important. And I, the only reason I can see it being important is so that you can compare notes. But again, I'm approaching it from my, my weird point of view. I mean, but why else would you want to talk about work? I don't understand that. But we do it, and I do it too. I'm as guilty as anyone. And the truth is, I have a desperate need to know how everyone is doing. And I probably only do it so that I can do my little comparison exercise and either feel better or worse about myself. And that's fucked. You know? That's just sick. Why do I do that? I'm not gonna... I'm not the only one. It is a uh, cultural illness. I'm not the only one who's doing that exercise. I may be the only one admitting it, but I'm not the only one doing it. We're all doing it. 
whether you, whether you know it or not. It's sort of built into the conversation starting. It's oh, it's like the the presto log of a conversation. It's got in there is like a bunch of sawdust and conversations about work and and the family. It's and the weather. It's all in the presto log. It's all compressed together and wrapped in a nice paper and you just you just set fire to the edge and here your conversation goes. The problem is when you start with a presto log, you don't get a nice mesquite smell from the conversation. This is a terrible analogy. Anyway, anyway, so I did that exercise at the reunion, and I've been doing it ever since. And I, I've been thinking a little bit about uh, it's it's a problem that I've been having, which is that I have nothing to show for uh, almost a decade of work. I have nothing to show for what I've been what I've been up to. Because I've been in an exploratory and in, in, in a personal uh, uh, investigatory place. Is that valid? No. It's not valid. It's not culturally valid. It carries no significance to anyone. And if you tell people you've been in a personal investigatory place, they think you've been upstate. Or uh, at, like it's some, uh, at a, I don't know, uh, uh, maybe you've been in a lunatic asylum. Maybe you've been in prison. Uh, maybe you maybe you joined a cult. I don't know. All of those things are what people will think if you say, I've been investigating myself. Like, oh, you found Jesus. Well, I don't know if I found Jesus. Was he, was he looking for me? Was I supposed to be looking for him? So, okay, so why do we do what we love? There's the big question. Why? Um... And I, I think that that is my question of choice uh, over the past few years, maybe even since college. I came to this conclusion after difficulties, and that's where I think it's invalid, because it often feels to me like a cop-out. Like, I'm asking the question, why? Because the world hurt me or something, right? And that's when people start asking the question, why? When, when everything that is a given... And, and all of the things that we culturally take for granted don't work out for them, then people start asking why. People who are successful, I, I imagine they don't ask why so much. They don't have time for that. <laughs> people who have time for why are people who are home during the day watching Jerry Springer, uh, if it were 20 years ago. Um, that's what I think. Uh, is that valid? I don't know. But I think about that. I wonder how many of my questioning in self-investigatory places are just a cop-out, you know, because I feel hurt or uh, burned by, a, by a, a system of practice that, I, that didn't work for me the way that I wanted it to work. And the truth is, it doesn't work for anybody the way they want it to work. What am I talking about? Talking in circles, like I said at the beginning, fair warning, talking in circles. Why do we do what we love? I think asking the question why is becoming more important to me lately than ever before, and uh, I've been doing a lot of it. And it, again, testing the waters of a very extreme perspective and point of view. Going very extreme lately. And asking questions why about things that are sort of uh, taken for granted because they're not working for me. Emotionally, they ain't working for me at all. I don't feel that these things are, are leading me to a place where I wanted them to lead me. Um, and th these are questions that unsuccessful people start asking, not questions that successful people ask. 
because successful people, they, they got their own, they got a lot of going on. They stay busy. Got a very good friend who stays very busy, and I never hear her ask why. Never. And see, from my point of view, that's a cop-out as well. Because why questions are very difficult. And uh, staying busy is difficult in a different way. I have a real hard time staying sane when I'm too busy. And it's a personal weakness, and I know that. I know that about myself from experience, from being insane, when things were going too hard and too fast and too much. I could not keep it together. Some people can probably only keep it together when things are going real hard and fast. So the two of us, we're not going to have a compatible narrative. Right? Anyway, why does that have to do with anything? I don't know. Talking in circles. Doing it for profit or recognition. So, okay, when I ask the question, why, why I do what I love, I think it's probably I've under the assumption that it should be for profit or recognition and I'm beginning to question that narrative and in beginning to question that narrative you really have to ask some pretty big questions because I've been under the impression for years that I should be doing what I love for profit and the truth is I'm not a success at doing what I love for profit lots of people are not but they just consider themselves in a transition and as did I for many many years just in a transition. I'm just working toward profit, toward success, toward profit and recognition, doing what I love. Why did I want to do it for profit or recognition? I think so that I could keep doing it, so that I could do it all day. Because nothing pisses me off more than the fact that I have to do a bunch of dumb stuff for eight hours a day. Stuff I don't care about for eight hours a day. It, 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 It drives me insane that I have to do that. But, you know, I'm not the only one. We're all doing that to make money, to make ends meet, whatever, whatever. Uh, And so the dream of doing what you love for profit really just is the dream of doing what you love all day. Because not very many people have a cushion enough so that they can do what they love all day. You got to wedge making money in there somewhere. And uh, unfortunately, if you're not doing what you love for money... That means eight hours plus of your day are taken up doing something you do not love for money. And that doesn't leave a whole lot of time for what you do love, right? So in my opinion, and maybe other people feel differently about this, maybe, it's the, maybe the profit is the justification for the doing. For me, it's not. It's not. I mean, it will, of course, if somebody's willing to pay you, it does justify all of your hard work, right? It tells you that you're, uh, you're a worthwhile artist. Because someone's willing to pay me full-time to do this, I must be a worthwhile artist, right? But I think about that less than the fact that I would get to practice doing my art all day. Because I don't get to do it all day now. And that bothers me. Because I'm not as good as I could be. Because I don't have eight hours plus a day to work on it. And that bothers me, right? Right. So there's that. But that's not my why. It's not my why. Doing what I love, I don't want to do it for profit. I, I hate doing it for profit. Because when you do it for profit, it becomes tainted and it becomes something ugly. And I feel that in my heart. There's a feeling. It's not something I could, I could express 
in words, really. It's a, it's a deep-seated sort of emotional feeling. It's a... Uh, it's not dark. It's dirty. I don't have good adjectives for this. It's more like a... I don't know, like you're doing... I'm doing hardcore pornography. And I feel dirty about it, right? I can't tell my mother. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I don't have the body for that. But still, if I were, I would feel dirty. There's a dirty feeling to it. And I feel that way oftentimes. Not always, but oftentimes. Doing my artwork for profit. Not because I'm profiting. But because... A lot of the back and forth you have to have with the client and a lot of the projects you're working on, your heart isn't in that in the way that it could be. And it feels exactly like when I have to go to work today. Uh, A little bit tainted, a little bit muddy. It's a muddy feeling. And again, I'm testing the waters of very extreme feelings and very extreme perspectives. So this is not a... This is not something that's going to allow me to function every day. These kinds of thoughts don't let you function. These are extreme thoughts. This goes along with me joining the Amish. It's just so extreme. Nobody's going to take that seriously. But I'm uh, dipping my toe into those feelings because I'm at that place. I don't know. I'm at that place. And again, talking in circles. Okay. So if I don't do it for profit, why am I doing it? And if I do it for myself, does it have to be successful? Here's the real problem with me. And I know this is me. I feel unsuccessful. Therefore, every time I do something, I feel I feel like it has to be a success to sort of fix the previous unsuccessful attempts, right? Uh, prior attempts need to be uh, re- repaired in my, in my psyche there. It'd be like if you dated for a full year and every one of your dates went terribly and the person was like, the person sitting across from you looked at you like you were a leper and and didn't want to have anything to do with you, right? So you got a whole year of that. What do you think your very, what do you think the the weight of your very next date is going to, not the physical weight. You shouldn't judge people based on their weight, everybody. Just date. No, I'm saying the, uh, what kind of emotional weight does the next date you, you schedule? have, right? That's the kind of thing I'm talking about. Or, oh, I could, I could speak to this very, very honestly. Job interviews. So I had a whole uh, year and a half, really, in the, over, I don't know, how long ago was that? Several years ago now. I had a year and a half during the worst recession in history, so they said. I had a year and a half of uh, job interviews lined up, right? And, uh, and uh, email responses and all of that stuff. Job interview after job interview after job interview. Which is a lot like dating. And in the end, I didn't get the job. Many times I didn't get the job. Most, all the times I didn't get the job. All the times. Not a few. All of the times I didn't get the job. So what do you think it was like to schedule the next job interview? After, uh, let's say, 25 attempts... And, and failures, what do you think the next job interview feels like? The emotional weight of that next interview. It's, it's, it's big, you know. And, and every, every failure, I don't know, people don't tell this story this way, but every failure has a successive, 
funny way to put that. Uh, has the, the next the next attempt has that much more writing on it, right? There is that much more to prove. And when you're doing things for profit or recognition, I feel like there is a, a real measurable, uh, tangible uh, success meter there. And uh, when you're doing it for yourself, not so much. So I asked the question, if I do it for myself, does it have to be successful? Because I have a hard time starting the next piece when uh, the profit and the recognition has not been there in the past. And if I'm doing it for those two things, the very next piece has a lot more writing on it than the previous prior piece. Right? If I'm doing it for myself, I only have my own baggage to contend with. I don't have any sort of uh, career motivations behind it. I'm just drawing again. I'm drawing one more time. I'm painting one more painting. It's not one more attempt to put myself out in the world and find my success. It's just another painting. I can deal with that a lot easier than the other way. And that's where I'm at emotionally. Is that healthy? Uh, The eight ball... Of my psychiatrist, eight ball would say all signs point to no, or uh, what? The outcome is cloudy. What does that thing say? We should all have an eight ball therapist to be a lot better than the real thing. It'd be more responsive, uh, more definitive. Not just well, I don't know. How do you feel about that? Talking in circles. If I do it for myself, it does not have to be as successful, I guess is the answer to that question. Yeah, it has to be successful because I got a bunch of baggage and I got a lot of stuff to prove, even to myself. But I don't have to prove those things to the world every time. That's the problem that I'm having right now. I don't want to prove a bunch of stuff to the world right now. I don't feel feel up to the task. Uh, The reunion felt like that to me because uh, there's a whole room full of people that I wanted to justify myself too and they they don't need me to justify I've talked about that they don't need that they don't they don't need that just like I didn't need it from them but uh, there was the feeling whether or not it's valid the feeling is is boy feelings are funny that way they they certainly are fixed in place are they not one has difficulty wedging a feeling out of one's brain machinery and if it isn't successful should I be doing it at all and I can answer that question and the answer is yes because I, I take tremendous amount of joy and pride and, and uh, good feeling and positive feeling from doing what I love so the question of why I'm doing what I love it's because I want to be And I guess I don't need any more than that. I personally don't. A lot of people will need more than that. But I don't think I do. I love doing what I I love. I enjoy it. I enjoy drawing. I enjoy thinking creatively. I enjoy creating. uh, Even things that will never see the light of day, I enjoy it. I know that for a fact that if I was in isolation, I would still be drawing and painting because I love doing it. I love the act of doing it. Now, I read some articles recently that talked about how people who isolate themselves in this way, in this manner from society, are 
are unhealthy, right? That's that's not a that's not right. They're, they're de- deceiving themselves, and they ha- they have a neurosis that's that's actually damaging. And so now I'm contending with that, and that's the reason I even started thinking about this because I don't want to be somebody who goes around every day comparing myself to others, but I also don't want to be somebody who lives in isolation because I'm afraid that's unhealthy. And I would be, if I could, be somebody who lives in isolation. And there's probably something wrong with that. In fact, there was an article I read about Donald Trump, right? About about the word idiot and the origins of the word idiot. And an idiot is somebody who, I'm paraphrasing, lives in their own world and is, un, is oblivious to others. Someone with a myopic perspective. Someone with a with a disregard or maybe even an un- unawareness of other people and, and of the cultural significance of themselves and what they're doing and they, their own place in, uh, in culture and society. And that does describe me at this point in my life. At least the way I'm, at least a, a path that I've wandered down and back from a few times. It does describe me. And I don't want to be an idiot. Uh, or idiosyncratic but I do want to remove myself from a lot of the uh, what I consider to be the unquestioned uh, assumptions of our culture at this point I do want to remove myself from some of those things because I find those to be unhealthy and then the question remains is that is that my perspective because I've been hurt by said culture or is it something else is it more than that am I right or am I just in my own world of neurosis and stuck there interesting food forethought and more wise just what the world needs more wise why 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 I don't want to take for granted that I have to be producing for the for, the, for success or profit or whatever, because those things also uh, strike me as uh, neurotic when I see other people doing that. I feel like they're neurotic too. Theirs is culturally accepted, and the one that I'm talking about probably not so much. And that's the maybe that's wrong. Maybe I'm just coloring the world so that I can enjoy it. I'm making it all shades of blue because I like blue. But of course the world is, is a Crayola crayon box. The big one, the expensive one with the sharpener on the side. Do they still do that? They ought to. Those are fun. Oh, God, they're talking in circles today. Sorry. That's fine. It is what it is. Why we do what we love. I think because we love it and that should be enough. In my opinion, it should be enough. But that's coming from a place of someone who is uh, unhappy with their position in the world. And, and in the reunion, I, I've talked to a lot of people who kind of felt like they had things figured out. They probably don't. Nobody does. But we act like we do. But, but it, it left me thinking about things like this. That's all I got. You know, more of this, more of this. Some of these, one of these days I'm going to move on from therapy. <laughs> I think it's not start being helpful. No, that's probably asking too much. Being helpful. There's plenty of people being helpful. I might as well be neurotic. <laughs> Maybe serve as a warning. Okay. Uh, okay, Leonard Angelo.